and welcome to Backing Paper for, let's say, November. I don't know whether we did one in October, but let's say November because it is now November. The long winter nights are drawing in and there's a fair chill in the air. Uh, so we've got some lovely emails to keep us warm uh, and some other fun stuff as well. Joining me on Backing Paper to go through all this stuff is the fabulous Claire Marie Bailey. Claire, how are you? Evening, Graham. It's lovely to be here. How are you? I'm not too bad at all. Thank you, Claire. Lovely to have you here. I think probably the first thing we should address is that there was no show last week. Um, sorry for that, everyone. It wasn't intentional. Otherwise, we would have warned you. Um, but it's just the way it worked out. I had my boys because it was half term. Uh, Claire, you were inundated with work that was taking you every evening <laughs> of your day, wasn't it? Um oh, John's been away, Rachel's got stuff going on, so uh, yeah, like I said, we'd hoped to get a show out last week, but we just couldn't make it happen in the end, so, uh, but you've got us this week, so that's nice for you, and boy, have we got a lot to get through this week, haven't we, Claire? We have, we've got a lot, a lot of good stuff to talk about. Yeah, we really have. It's some great stuff this week. So um, as always, our, you listeners have done us proud, um, keeping our mailbag stopped, so let's, without further ado, shall we just dive straight into this stuff, Claire? Yeah, dive in. All right, then. So the first email we've got this week is entitled Inspired to Build a Darkroom. And this is from Stephen Meyer Rasso, who is a gentleman I've had the pleasure of meeting. I think this comes up actually in the email. <laughs> he writes in to say, hey, Sunbeams, I've been meaning to drop you a line for some time now. But for some reason or another, days have turned into weeks and weeks have turned into months this year. It's almost as if I've been experiencing some kind of Groundhog Day. Weird, right? I wanted to thank you for being such an awesome inspiration ever since I first started listening to the podcast last year. You inspired me to drive up to Worcester last December for the Tanky McQuan shot viewing and photo walk prior to the screening where I got to meet some really lovely fellow film shooters for the very first time, including Fraser Yule, Edward Bick and Jeremy North, who assured me that developing my own film shouldn't be a daunting task and has now indeed become one of my favourite pastimes on the weekend. I also got to briefly chat to Graham and Aid, at which point I realised I live pretty much in the next village down from Graham. This is true. <laughs> As such, I was excited to see Graham announce he would be hosting a photo walk around Oxford back in February this year. I'm so glad we managed to do that before this whole lockdown shindig started, uh, as am I. Um, it was at this photo walk I got chatting to even more fellow photographers, including some local folk I'd already been following on Instagram. Rory Dunn, Jesper Kauth, Grigor Kafenku, who again simply inspired and made for great company on an afternoon's film shooting around my hometown. All this positive energy translated into a real drive to try and just do more with my film, uh, film photography in 2020. Alas, things happened in the world and some of those plans have certainly been put on hold. But it also gave me the time to fulfil a personal goal I'd been working towards for some time. To be able to have my own darkroom space in my house. Now, my house is actually quite small. Some may say tiny, and along with my wife, Jess, and our dog, Clover, it's already a squeeze. So, similar to Graham and inspired by John Whitmore's Dark Shed moniker, I set about converting a corner of our shed into a working darkroom space. And you know what? It worked! I've now got an insulated, 
albeit flimsy. The heater is a must on these cold wet evenings. Light tights room to start playing around and making a general mess. I absolutely love it. All this is to say that had it not been for listening to the podcast and hearing you all, especially Rachel, talk about setting up a darkroom space at home and that it didn't need to be overly complicated or even have running water, I'm not sure I'd be enjoying my evenings sat in my shed producing mm. prints once again. So keep up the great work and thank you from a very happy film shooter in his Oxfordshire film photo developing and printing shed. I can't call it a dark shed, I suppose, or John Whitmore may sue. He is the litigious type. All the best and lots of love from Steve. And Steve has included a couple of snaps with us. Um, first, before we get onto the pictures, that's awesome. So awesome. I'm really, really pleased to hear that. Uh, because, yeah, having a space to, a light, tight space at home to do printing or developing or whatever kind of fussing it's just it's a real treat uh, i know how much joy mm. it brings me and it's great to hear that steve's got this so um we've got some great pictures here of the work going on uh, the before uh, and afters <laughs> exactly yes uh th this is great it's, i mean it's making good use of the enforced time that people have had this year um to do something yeah. productive with it and uh, he's made a really great use of the space actually um it looks far more organized and better laid out <laughs> I would say the mine is, um, which is not hard. I try to cram too much into my space, but it looks really good. Uh, I particularly love, there's a picture um, of his layout with the uh, enlarger and his three trays and his drying space. Um, and he's holding a beautiful picture of a, a dog. I'm going to assume it's Clover, his dog. I was, Yeah, I think it is. <laughs> it's a beautiful print as well. A really, I mean, even just from the picture we've got, it's a really beautiful print. Um, so he's making great work in there already. Lovely young black lab by the looks of it. Um, wonderful stuff. And yeah, I hope I hope a few people have had a, a, made the most of this year to get and try doing this if they can. It's... Um, I know it's easy for somebody like me who's managed to have a shed space to do it with and, you know, Stephen, but I've spoken to so many people who use their toilets or bathrooms rather. Yeah, probably bathrooms. You know, you, you can do it in a small space. All right, it's not ideal, but sometimes if you wait forever for ideal, you're just never going to do a thing. Um, and you can take inspiration by... Um, people like um mike uh over at the um big uh, aloha big mike yeah he he started his darkroom printing in, in his bathroom and he's making amazing stuff there and obviously now he's got a darkroom space but um yeah is it a, i know i'm sure we've talked about this guy you don't have a darkroom space at home do I you don't. I, I i'd really want one i mean i was just thinking i'd love to be able to get like a shed like we can see in these these images and like John I don't have the space um so I was as you know I was traveling initially um two hours driving two hours to, to use a dark room and then um then more recently I found one 45 minute drive so that's what I was doing um and of, and of course now now we're, now we're in the lockdown situation um that's sort of temporarily um not not possible um but yeah no it's it's like a dream because i just well they are just great spaces aren't they they're just great spaces and i think once you're once you beginning them <laughs> once you're in them i think and you like you start on the print so 
we can see that lovely print of clover you just get lost don't you yeah you know working on the print and and, and oh you know getting the exposure you want and, and doing different whatever different little things with your prints all the dodging and the burning and it's just such a lovely lovely space i think and it's lovely if you can have your own without a without a doubt but it yeah. does look really organized yes i'm really impressed. i mean the, the image with the the, the the image that i'm looking at is um the one with it's holding the print up it looks super super organized and then i love the one with the red light and then the, the one below that it just looks yeah what a great job i wonder how long that took um to to, to clear that out and, and do the transformation but yeah excellent time last but especially at this time of year um for me personally i i've not done any printing really over the summer but we're heading into now the time of year where i'm far more likely to get in there because it's dark and give you yeah. something to go and escape and um dark uh, in the dark. yeah and of course that's pr printing in itself isn't it is um when you just have full control over the process um that you can you can just the potential to be so creative isn't it yeah um, absolutely and i think as john has mentioned in the past in the past as well and how when you work up a print to a standard that you're happy with um it really can be a one-off isn't it you know to I me mean? you can write all your timings down and all your settings but you know yeah, you get a lovely one-off one piece of piece of work. Yeah, absolutely. John had a great conversation on um, his yeah. uh, Sony 16 Presents podcast last week, uh, and they were talking a lot about the creativity and doing fun and crazy stuff in the dark, I mean, even taking sandpaper to some of the images. Um, uh, what was, uh, I, Claire, you're better with names than I am. Um, what was the name of the gentleman that uh, John was talking it to? Was, it was Chris Connell, and um, Chris Connell was actually talking actually about how he transitioned into um, his, his, you know, his own darkroom, basically. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's, it's a good listen, that, the show. Yeah, Chris Connell. So have you not even got room in your garden for a shed, Claire? No, no, really? I really have space, yeah. Oh, what about bathroom? Could you not Could you not darkroom oh, up yeah. your bathroom? I could do that, and I can, and I've been meaning to do that, to be honest. But... Um, yeah, I, I'd love a shed. I mean, that would be my ideal, a shed. But I'm not sure how even the cost of them, how much are how much are sheds? Yeah, you can kind of spend <laughs> as much as you want to. I bought ah. I bought a fairly heavy-duty shed. I, you know, mm. I bought a for, for shed. It was a fairly expensive shed, but it's because I wanted something that was going to be pretty robust, and I knew I was going to mm. want to be using it a lot. So I wanted it to last because I was going to put electrics in there and stuff. So well, mine was a bit more expensive, but you can... Uh, I don't. I think if you're going to do a dark shed, don't buy the cheaper shed you can buy. Is no, the advice no. I would give because you're going to have paper and stuff in there, so you don't want it to be super porous. You don't want it to be blown away in the first strong gale wind. But um, yeah. Well, anyway, it's fun times. Um, okay. What so have we, we got we next? Oh, sorry. I was just saying we can maybe um, he can update us with them um, his prints as he goes. <laughs> that would be lovely. Yes, Steve, yeah. please do get, keep keep in keep in touch with us and let us know. And I hope. Well, I mean, obviously not now, since we just headed straight back into lockdown. But I would love to come and see your dark shed. We need to have a do mm -hmm. <laughs> do dark shed day where you can see my dark shed. I right, come and see your dark shed, and we can just you know <laughs> compare and contrast. Mine will be the one that's a mess. Yours will be the one that's cool. Um, <laughs> Claire, do you want to take this next one from our good friend Dunstan? Yeah. Okay, so this is from um, Dunstan Vavasor, and it's headed up. 
Johnson Exposure Calculator. Which, uh, because I know you won't bring this up, but I just I, I, I know it's infantile, but something called the Johnson Exposure Calculator is the funniest name for a thing I have possibly ever heard. Johnson Exposure Calculator. Carry on, Claire. <laughs> Hello there. Just catching up after a long time away. I was listening to the All Aboard episode and the discussion on moving from Sunny 16, which we which we know is really sunny 11 at this latitude. When I was moving on from weather symbols on my cosmic symbol in 1970-something, my dad passed on to me his Johnson exposure calculator. A quick look on an online auction site shows that a search for a Johnson exposure calculator <laughs> will yield plenty of examples. <laughs> it, sounded from the, it sounded from the discussions as if one of you had seen a paper equivalent somewhere, but the standard Johnson version is made of durable plastic and I can testify that it will survive being left in your trouser pocket when they go through the box. <laughs> I didn't write this email. I just want to make this perfectly clear. I didn't write this. Okay. An ingeniously simple device, it is basically a plastic disc in a plastic sleeve fixed at the centre. You calculate the exposure by turning the wheel according to conditions. Firstly, from the front side, you dial in the type of scene you are shooting, distant, nearby or close up, and whether it's in the shade or unshaded. Then from the rear, you dial in three other values, the time of day and year, the weather and the film speed. You then turn back to the front and the appropriate exposure is shown. With practice, I got used to doing the same calculation in my head, which gave me a good feel factor um, effect for affecting exposure. Later, I had a Leningrad exposure meter for Christmas or a birthday, but what I've learned from manual exposure calculation is useful to this day. Take care and stay, sa stay safe, all of you, Dunstan. Yeah, that's really useful, isn't it? And um, Denton did send us a picture, uh, I think, from one of the eBay listings of one of these things, and uh, it's exactly as he described. It's a um, a plastic, piece, a sort of thin plastic thing with a dial you can turn around, a bit like a, a you would find on a light meter. Um, and um, yeah, it looks hugely useful, it, I, and it looks hugely useful in exactly the way that Dunstan was saying as well about the fact that the more you use it, the more you're going to get this information into your head so that soon you're looking at a scene and you're going to know what it's going to tell you. Um, so that's really cool, really cool. Um, a, a quick follow-up to that. Uh, it's going to make this picture small again because I've just... <laughs> uh, a follow on the same uh, same topic from Paul Friday, who writes and says, Dear Sonnies, don't pay £20 for a black cat exposure guide. Instead, print a copy of Fred Parker's one first to see how you get on with it. And there is a link there, um, to mm. uh, which I will include in the show notes so we can go there. Um, following on... Uh, because I don't know whether people remember, but in previous email from Paul Friday, he uh, referred to King Canute, which is spelt yeah. C-N-U-T. And I questioned whether that was spelling was accurate or whether that was a, a targeted shot. Um, but no, he gave me a, li a Wikipedia link to King Canute the Great, uh, spelt C-N-U-T. So it must be true. Um, he was apparently, he was succeeded by his son, Harold Harefoot, 
who must have had a hard time at school? <laughs> well, quite <laughs> likely, quite likely. And um, thank you very much for that, Paul. That's really useful. Um, and uh, actually, I'm just going very quickly. Actually, one second. If I click on that now, <laughs> click on that. I just to quickly see. Um, let's see if there's a. Uh, I can't find a picture of this thing. Da 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 da. Um, but yeah, this Fred Parker photography is a a great. Um, page all about exposure calculation mm. um and yes so the um yeah there's loads of stuff on here that's going to give you loads of information to help you calculate based on uh the lighting situation that you'll find yourself in so you've just got a long chart so um and a number associated with that so uh, i'll give you some examples here so um uh <laughs> And they're quite specific. So uh, exposure value seven is what you would need if you were at the bottom of a rainforest canopy or brightly lighted nighttime streets, indoor sports, stage shows or circuses. For any one of those things, you want exposure value number seven. If you mm -hmm. find yourself in Las Vegas or Times Square at night, store windows, campfires, bonfires, uh, baseball, etc. at night, uh, you want exposure value eight. So there's lots of very specific... Yeah. situation which actually is again really really useful um so that's something that uh, yeah i think i probably will print that up because it's just what a handy thing to have in the back pocket or a wallet something just to to grab um for difficult situations uh really cool um so thank you very much for that link okay do you want to take this next one claire from yes. our good friend billy sanford yeah from billy hello sunbeams Claire had mentioned using CineStill 800T in low light situations, and I believe Graham has mentioned having some tungsten <laughs> film to work through also. I had a roll of 800T and shot it last weekend. I have to say that initially I wasn't too keen on the results. I chalked this up more to my own inexperience shooting colour film, and at night and of course the nuances of tungsten balanced film rather than the CineStill itself. But having had a few days, it has started to grow on me a little more. It at least gave me some ideas about how to shoot more of it in the future if I have that opportunity. So I'm chalking it up as a positive experience. But the bigger news is that I finally made the plunge and bought the least expensive enlarger I could find. Along with, some, <laughs> along with some Ilford chemicals, paper and filters. Of course, I've watched all of Rachel's Ilford videos and also the video John included as part of the photography show. So while I definitely feel as prepared as I can be, any positive darkroom vibes that the team could send my way would be greatly appreciated. Thanks, Billy. That's awesome news. More darkroom adventures. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Well, I'll send you all my positive darkroom um, vibes, Billy. Um, and I would say, um, if you watch those videos of um, the, the, the Ilford videos of Rachel, and she did one on split grade printing, didn't she? Um, I'm wondering if, um, I don't know if you, you split grade anyway, um, but I wonder if you could um, spend time trying multiple printing which is where you basically do it's like the double exposures created in the darkroom um and so you pick your two you know your two frames split grade them 
<clears throat> and then it's part partly experimenting then as you overlay one over the other and, and work out till you get get a, get a print but i like that process and, and that can really absorb your kind of concentration and, and and everything and and working to a point where you where you get a print you're happy with i think it's i find that in, enjoyable so i'm sending you my vibes and i su suggest um yeah the multiple printing <laughs> And then if he's only just got his, he's only Sorry, just got yeah. his enlarged cat. Give him a chance to try one printing, <laughs> one image yeah, at a time. <laughs> one printing, yeah, and some experiment. Oh, the other thing, Billy, I think it's been mentioned on a previous show. Um, John, um, John talked about it, which was where he was doing Splash Developer, um, um, Splash on Developer, and that's what I like that as well. So maybe you can you could try that as well. That's. Um, that's always nice. Yeah, th there are so many. There, there are yeah. so many fun things you can do in the dark. I mean, obviously, start with the basics. And the nice thing is that when you're doing printing, um, for one thing, you can iterate quickly because the process is relatively quick. You you make your exposure yeah. onto the paper. You do it. You put it, and you can see straight away. So you're not having to get through a whole roll of film to see if you succeeded. So you can get to a baseline point pretty quickly and it will be so incredibly satisfying even mm. if, if to begin with you're making images which in a few weeks or months time you look back on and go oh those weren't very good but it doesn't matter because you'll be so pleased with what you make in the first instance that you go I've made an image this looks good mm. I'm happy with it. it it is incredibly satisfying and as with everything it will just get better and better and better mm -hmm. with practice and then as with everything in photography, there are then so many avenues that you can go down depending on what suits your interests, your personality, your personal style, whether it is through um, more esoteric and experimental stuff like Claire's yeah. been talking about, like doing multiple exposures of different frames onto a single piece of paper or splashing chemicals on to get the effects from that or taking sandpaper to it or whatever it might be or on honing down, making that, perfect print the way you want it and getting better at dodging and burning and split grading and all of this stuff um there's there's so many aspects to it it's a huge thing yeah. all into itself um and it's yeah. great and i i just hope you enjoy it as much as so many people we hear from do just the experience of it because it's um it is a very zen-like space to be in isn't it claire just being in the oh. dark in the warm with the little red light glowing, just oh, kind of, yeah. and 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 I and you've just mentioned it there, Graham. Another, I think dodging and burning as well is another. I love I love dodging and burning, <laughs> um, and and I found as well that for me because um, sometimes like this time of year, um, sometimes if we go out and, and shoot, you sometimes the sky. You know, I spent sometimes uh, say burning in uh, skies. You know, and and I really like that. Um, mm. So, I, and I think Rachel has done a video on on dodging and burning as well. Um, yes. So I think that they're nice techniques, and I think I've mentioned this before. I used to make my own little tools as well for dodging and burning. Um, I used to use long hair grips that I'd bend, or you can use anything. And I used to put, um, I used to sort of put little, I used to make little orbs of paper and and to create little things in the in the sky. So, I think once you get going, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, this, like you say, Graham, there's, there's so many things you can do. And then you'll find probably, Billy, as well, that 
once you start, you'll find that you intuit your way into a lot of things as well. Um, you know, playing with um, exposure times and, and and everything and 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 um, oh, it's lovely. Yeah. Yeah, I think the most important thing is one just do it for fun uh, yes. and practice with all these things will make it better and better buy some cheap paper to begin with don't buy expensive paper mm -hmm. just buy some cheap stuff so you can just burn through stuff make as many mistakes as possible um as you get it all down uh, but yeah it's a good time um just going back to the first part uh the 800t um you've been out shooting that claire yeah, I do like cine still film. Um, I think it's, I mean, I was really attracted to it because I felt like um, I love all the, the photographs I was seeing with, you know, all the neon lights and, um, yeah, uh, and just, you know, that kind of atmosphere. And I was thinking, <laughs> I'm always going on, I know I'm always talking about David Lynch, but I was thinking of, you know, like the Red Room in, in sort of Twin Peaks and that mm. kind of atmosphere. And I thought I was reading about the film and I thought that would really, really, really suit me. So I do like it. But it's funny because um, not that long ago, I was reading reading an article somewhere where um, someone was saying when they were developing Cine Still, it can be sometimes they were saying they found it to be unpredictable sometimes. Um, I don't know why that would be. So I'd keep going with it. Um, and I don't know if you're... Um, if you use um, if you, you're using available light, um, Billy, or um, you, you're bringing some sort of continuous light into the situation, because that will change it as well. Yeah, have, have you have you used any still, Graham? Um, I I've got a roll of Cine still eight hundred. Ah, <laughs> I haven't shot it yet, but yeah. as we you and I were talking about before we started recording, I have shot some Cine film. Um, and uh, I and I do, as Dunton mentioned, um, oh, sorry, as Billy mentioned, I have got this bulk roll of tungsten balanced cine film to use. And in fact, that was what I was planning on doing my Justified podcast on this month was about this 200 and whatever it is feet of tungsten balanced film. But as a significant, if not the entire point of that, was going to be going up to John's dark shed for a jolly and spending the day really testing and trying different things with it which we now can't do, back to the drawing board on that one. So we won't be doing that this time because I don't want to do it half-assed. But um, yeah, the tungsten balance film in general, it's one of those things where obviously because it's going to react to light in a completely different way to daylight balance film, uh, it's not always going to look great. Uh, but you can get filters to balance it out. You can get... Um, I think is it rattan filters I think I can't bother the numbers I know I've got some somewhere um I bought some well I bought 200 and something feet of tungsten balance film because there's not a lot of neon lights around Oxfordshire so I was like okay well, I'm not gonna be doing cool late night neon shoots so I want to be able to shoot this film during the day and for it not to look terrible or particularly because also it's 200 speed film um so I mean that's the other thing I you, you almost never see cine still 800 being shot with a daylight balancing filter because everyone wants that neo tokyo look um uh, I, I mean i like it i love the pictures that i see with it it is almost entering the point of cliche at this point <laughs> it's like yeah. if it's sydney still you kind of know what you're going to get because the, the pictures you tend to see are a very similar subject matter it can be mm. used for other stuff really well but it tends to be a little bit mm. same mm. same in that but um no it's good stuff and uh yeah i, I am looking forward i got 
I've got, you know, made progress with my role of tungsten film. It is off. I've got some in the film camera. Um, John's been sent some, but yeah, the rest of that exploration is going to have to wait a while um, because of because of the situation. Anyway, yeah. that's um, something nice to look forward to. And we can look, and it'll be nice for Billy to um, share his work as he goes along as well, if he if he wants to. Yes, absolutely. We always love seeing what people are up to. Yeah. Okay, this next email entitled Channeling My Inner in Inner Ansel or Anna Ansel Inner Ansel Adams from Richard Moore. Greetings, Sunnies. Here is your weather report from California. Oh. Hello from sunny Marin County near San Francisco, where the temperature of late has been in the nineties, which is <gasps> high thirties in new money. Oh. It is unseasonably warm and the low humidity and high winds in the middle of fire season means we spend more time watching the fire reports than sitting out having barbecues. Yeah, things have been real bad in California for the yeah. fire. So um, I'm, I'm glad that you're at least writing and you've been watching them rather than running from them. Many thanks for reading out my last missive, which was sadly the highlight of my summer, that is sad, and caused rather embarrassing amount of personal excitement when I realised you were going to share my thoughts on the correct way to eat a scone and clotted <laughs> cream. Look, these are important things. Uh, th this is what our podcast exists for, <laughs> is to set settle these things. Call me crazy, but I thought this time we might touch on photography. My wife and I have been going a bit stir crazy of late and decided to book a trip to Yosemite. Good grief. Sorry, I've already put my teeth back in. And decided a trip to Yosemite might make a good break. Up until the end of October, you needed to pre-book a ticket to enter the park due to COVID restrictions, which significantly reduced the number of people who could drive into the valley. So, one morning back in the summer, I camped on the internet to book a ticket for October as they became available. Not unlike getting a ticket for Glastonbury. Yay! Um, yeah, more mud. Uh, I managed to get one. Time to channel my inner Ansel Adams. How hard can that be? Quite hard, actually, but not for the reasons I expected. But first, what cameras did I take with me? always difficult to choose. I knew I'd be getting off my lazy ass and walking, so I was conscious of weight. In the end, I took a Pentax ZX for my 35mm colour, a Franca Rollfix 1 folder for 6x9 black and white, and my Sony A6000. Lens-wise, I took an early K-mount 17mm Pentax lens and the Pentax SMCA 35-105 to zoom. Seems like it's got a well-covered spread of stuff there. Yeah. First problem. This is how I love trips to start with the problem. The creek fire. Not a fire in a creek, but a rather large fire that broke while we were planning the trip. This threatened the southern area of the National Park and sent smoke in all directions. The first day we were there it was smoky and contrast was completely flat. Some scope for arty black and white, but colour was a waste of time and no haze filter was going to fix the all-pervading haze. Fortunately the second day was much clearer and we were higher up. All around the valley and on the way in was evidence of the rim fire from 2013 which destroyed 250,000 acres and took a year to finally put out. Holy cow. That's kind of hard to get your head around, isn't it? <laughs> when you're from a little country like ours. 
250,000 acre fire. When you hear about fires being natural and the ability of trees to recover, well, I'm sure they do, but it ain't an overnight process. Second problem, or lesson learned, no one piece of camera gear weighs that much. It might not weigh that much collectively when you sling it on your back, but boy does it weigh a lot when you've walked five miles up the valley and remember you have five miles back to walk. Oh. <laughs> Old camera gear is great and solid and yes, you can drop it off a mountain, but boy is it heavy. I am in the market for a large format camera and I think I'll go for the carbon adventurer like the G-Man rather than an all-metal field camera like a Wister. Yes, it is the lazy man's choice. I highly recommend it. What else did I learn? Well, you know the slide cover for the red window on the back of old 120 cameras? Well, I learnt the hard way you need to close them in California sunshine. <laughs> oh. oh no. I managed to fog four exposures on one roll of 120. That's very sad. Which, when you remember, you get six or seven 6x9 images was not pleasing. The Franca is pretty basic, so needed to peer intently when winding on the film to avoid double or overlapping exposures. For a camera that must be 70 years old, it's in surprisingly good nick. Rather basic though. Manual everything. That's good though. You know, you don't want anything to be automatic with those. Um, and yeah, that uh, red window thing. You shoot cameras that have red windows on the back, right, Claire? You must uh, have some. Yeah. How cautious uh, are you with those? I could be more cautious. I've actually fogged film as well, and I find winding them on, sometimes I've had overlapping things as well. Yeah, that's easy to do. Yeah, yeah. I tend to be... I probably tend to err on the point of side of paranoia with them. If there isn't, because some cameras, some of the old folding cameras, not all, but some of them do have little metal windows that pull across um, to shield them. Um, even with those, but less so, um, I might still put some tape over them. But any camera that just has a red window but doesn't have a cover for it, I will put um, electrical tape over it and just lift it up to change it because things like the Holgers, the Brownies, um, several lower end point and shoot, not lower end um, folding cameras that don't have covers, they might be fine if they're spending most of the time in my bag or if the weather's very British, but all you need to do is leave it face down in a bright sun somewhere and that's going to go through the backing paper pretty quickly yeah. and mess it up. Yeah, that's oh, well. true. Um, a few general points for anyone thinking about visiting Yosemite. If you're on the valley floor, looking up is genuinely awe-inspiring. Not just Half Dome and El Capitan, but the whole valley. You need to walk to get the best views and good luck getting it all in. The vistas are just so wide. Even 17mm wasn't big enough. The best views though are higher up. You need to get up above the valley floor. If you can get to Glacier Point, do so. Best view ever. I've attached one photo for the Sunny team, uh, which we'll look at in a minute because it's great. Another point. Be considerate. I saw some people hogging various locations while others were trying to take a photo from that spot. Take your photo, like everyone else does, and move your ass. And if you're trying to get a staged insta shot in one spot, 
please just leave. I saw woman. I saw one woman putting on her pink high heels in a spot in the middle of the riverbed where there was a rock the size of a house, which must have fallen off half dome. They faffed while a queue of people waited to take a shot without some dingbats in it. What else did I learn while trying to imitate Ansel Adams? You may get some of the shots he got. But to really photograph that place, or any place, you need to go there often in all seasons and light conditions. You need to get out of your car and properly explore the place. Go there early morning and later in the day. Helps avoiding crowds as well as all well know and the light will be better. Will you end up with the same shots everyone else gets? Probably. I defy anyone to go there and not photograph Half Dome from Glacier Point. You're silly if you don't. It's a freaking amazing view. Stay safe, guys. It's going to be a bumpy autumn slash fall. Regards from Richard Moore. P.S. I've attached a photo of me when I was young and had a lot more hair, so no more comments about Jesus. <laughs> We'll look at that photo also. So first, let's look at this beautiful picture of... Now, he's told us what it was. Uh, mm. Hang on a second. That was... Is that Half Dome? I think it is. Uh, yes, I think it is. Yeah, um, Half Dome. Yeah. Um, and it's a lovely shot. Lovely black and white shot. Yeah. And it is very Ansel Adams, isn't it? I mean... It you, is, yeah. I think you see pictures, especially you see black and white pictures from Yosemite, and it's impossible to not think of him. Um, but... Also, I completely see what he means in that picture of even with a 70 millimeter lens, you look at it and think, God, I wish it was wider. I wish I could see more. Um, Mm. But lovely shot. Although I would say arguably even more, the picture of Richard, the school picture of Richard (laughs) is even more wonderful. What an adorable, fresh faced young man. I I love that picture. It's great, isn't it? That's lovely. Yeah, yeah. Oh, we need a comparison. We need a comparison picture from now and then, Richard, so we can see how how <laughs> how, how times treated you. Oh, I'm sure it looks just you, as cute. And thank you for your tips um, for visiting Yosemite because it's it's a place I'd really like to go. Yeah. <laughs> although although maybe I'd be I'd be there trying to be one of my characters and I'd be putting on my. You would be that oh, woman, wouldn't you? Causing. Oh causing, no. Uh, <laughs> Causing uproar, but I'd probably go. Um, I'd probably time it so that I was like very early or something, so there's no one there. But I mean, I, but, I, I've actually yeah. got a question with that, Claire, because you yes. think it's somewhere you've always wanted to go. Um, yeah. But for the kind of work that you do, what would you? What would going to Yosemite or anywhere like it actually bring to it? Do you think? Oh, I suppose what I'd do, because it's a place I, I, I've wanted to go, I, my starting point for me would be studying photographs online mm. of Yosemite, reading about it. And from that would probably come some germs of ideas <laughs> about maybe about, about you know, ha- what I would be wanting to achieve or the characters that might fit that kind of location. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's difficult because I think the very issue that Richard talks about, the scale of it, oh, the, gosh, the moment yeah. you're trying to put yourself into it and make yourself, that you you may as well be <laughs> stood yeah. in front of Snowden or or any yeah, hill in Wales at that true. point. I definitely want to um, go to uh, San Francisco. Yeah, I'd love to have like, I, I can imagine sort of... Um, 
your character with like the bridge in the background and it's it's it i know we've got the menai bridge here yeah <laughs> um same thing mm, yeah <laughs> i can just imagine um certain angles or, um you know with the, with the, with the bridge, bridge bridge in the background excuse me yeah lovely yeah very cool uh, and the weather aren't we jealous graham <laughs> yes oh, well yes and no i, I will it. take the rain over raging fires um oh, yeah, i don't I, I i listen to a few podcasts that uh the people who are producing them are in those areas and it sounds even if you're not having to evacuate because of the fire living in areas where you just can't open the window because of smoke and it's really hot and it's all and it just it's it's a real bad time and it's, it's been many years now last several years it's been really bad there so um yeah my sympathies are absolutely with anybody who's been affected by that it's um, it's bad do you want to take this last email claire from anthony pearson um anthony pearson so it's headed up film thingy blow up <laughs> film <laughs> thingy is that what you yeah. called your podcast claire? did you call it the film uh, thingy podcast well quite close on film on, on film, film. Thingy, yeah so it's from Anthony Pearson. Ahoy, I messaged Jeff about your blow-up review, or was it a critique? And I'm going to recycle the same message to you. Recycling, it's a good thing. It's not just laziness. Just listened to your Sunny 16 podcast on blow-up. I first saw the film in the 80s. I'd, wa excuse me, I'd watched and enjoyed Sabrisky Point, partly because of the music, which was right up my street, but also the film itself, especially the exploding house, of course. Oh, I'm completely with you, Anthony, completely with you. Um, I didn't get on, on with Blow Up. As I remember it, I found the swinging 60s London stuff a bit embarrassing in an unfunny Austin Powers way. I lived in London at that time in the much more, oh, sorry, I lived in London at the time in the much more cynical 80s, though the 80s now look charmingly naive. I lived for a while in Greenwich near Marion Park, but have never been there, must go. At the time, I was much more in tune with the characters of Sabrisky Point, but I re-watched Blow Up last night and loved it. Being older and a bit less shallow, I got much more out of it, helped, I suspect, by the fact that the copy I got from a friend was dubbed in Italian. <laughs> oh, I love it. So I had to watch it with English subtitles. Gives it a whole new level of art house chic and, perha and perhaps helps um, seeing London through Antonioni's eyes. Was great to hear your excellent commentary on it. I'm going to have to watch it again and watch The Passenger, ideally dubbed in Italian. Thanks. I'll add something for you Sunny 16ers and that is that the main character is much more interesting than I remembered from the first viewing all of those years ago. Yes, he's a, and it's a T word. <laughs> yes. Twit. Yeah, yeah, a twit. Yes, he's rapey, but it turns out he can care. Hearts A. I'm yeah, still not I'm sure who he cares about <laughs> beyond yeah, him. Yeah. I know you disagree with me on this, Claire, but... Uh... Yeah. <laughs> like I said, um, yeah. I I I I think um, I'm with with Anthony on that one. Yeah, yeah and, and risky point. I love that really great film. You know, music, the the characters, the the the, the scene, the cinematography in Sabrisky Point um, is fantastic, and that, and that's another place I'm. I'm 
it's like my top place. I really want to go to California and 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 Death Valley. You know, really want to get to Death Valley. Yeah, that that seems yeah. that seems more you than Yosemite. Yes. I'll be honest. Uh, <laughs> Death Valley, yeah. Yeah, I still haven't watched either of those films, either Zabriskie Point or The Passenger, but I will. I did. I watched recently, rewatched. Um, uh, I, I'm only mentioning this, not that it's related, but just because it's a kind of classic film. We watched The Shining uh, in uh, last. Oh day. yeah. So that was because I I think I was watching it very much thinking more about it from a photography and looking for inspiration point of view. I'm not sure I really succeeded in finding a great deal of inspiration. I mean, it's I enjoyed the film and it's really interesting, but um, photographically, there were a few things I could take away from it, but it it's not one I found super easy to go, oh, yes, you know, this, this is what I'm going to take away. It's, you know... I, I see. I thought that again, beautifully shot. And I thought in in The Shining, um, the hotel is it called the Overhang Overhang Hotel? Is it? I think um, so, yeah. That scene where it's where they're driving up and you and you see the hotel. I, mm. I just think, but I like to see all the interiors um, inside the hotel and 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 the intention to detail on that film. And and of course the 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 film stock. It's got that that it's got the lovely. Um, that lovely depth um, to, to the colours, and it had, and, and you know, the bar. Um, forgive me, because I can't think of the the name of the the when he goes into the into the into the bar. Yeah. And the, what's his name? I can't think of the uh, the bar the the bartender's name. Yeah, I can't. I'm bad with names, but yes, I, anybody who's seen the film know the bit. But mean, anyway, yeah. the light. I, I just think that the the lighting in there. Yeah. Is, like, yeah. Yeah, it was good. It was enjoyable, and as like I said, it's interesting to watch a film and think about great those film. things more. It's a great film, The Shining. Yeah, although I, I, my understanding is that Stephen King hated it, right? Oh, did he? I yeah. don't think he. I don't think he liked it at all. <laughs> I wonder. I wonder if he still. I wonder if he still um, holds that view um, now, or whether he kind of he shifted shifted his position as as time went on, but. Yeah, I, I like it. And of course Jack Nicholson is, is fantastic in the role. Yes. And Shelley Duvall, who apparently wasn't she, she um there's that famous scene with the baseball bat, which apparently was uh, um they they did that scene. It was something I'm sure it was a couple of hundred takes and I don't think she had a terribly good relationship um with um oh gosh, my brain my brain's Kubrick. gone. Yeah, Stanley Kubrick. Um, yeah. Um, yeah, I can imagine but that. Happened, yeah, but whatever happened, I think he got a really great performance out of her. You know, you can't imagine that film without those two, those two leads. No, although the way that she runs is terrible. <laughs> you watch it running like, no, come on now. Yeah. You're giving girls a bad name for running everywhere. <laughs> you know, I think I think she was exhausted because honestly, I read some of that, um, some of the takes. But Kubrick got her to do it was like into into the hundreds, so I think oh, she, was, yeah. she was. Yeah, exhausted. no, that's fair. Yeah, <laughs> that's fair. Uh, but, sorry, we digress. We do yeah. actually. Well, that's a good point, Kev, because um, your your next podcast is going to be coming out very soon, isn't it? Uh, and it do you want to let people yeah. know what, what that one's going to be about and who you're talking to? Uh, 
Um, okay, if you think we won't spoil the surprise, um, this one is. <laughs> well, people can that way. People can always watch the film in advance if they want to. Yeah, we like we, we always um, advise um, that you maybe watch the film. Um, <laughs> we always advise it, but we never tell you what it's going to be. So good luck, people. We're speaking to Ben uh, Ben Mills, who's um, an editor. Um, and Ben has worked on um, the most recent films he's worked on is the King's Ma the King's Man films, um, Mission Impossible, um, and um, Ben put forward um, the Secret Life of Walter Mitty, um, which has a photography theme as well. Um, so, so that's coming up. Um, I think it's going out this week, isn't it, Graham? That's the plan. That is the plan. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So. That's our next one. So, um, yeah, listeners, I hope you'll listen and, um, yeah, I hope you enjoy the, enjoy the, the podcast. Yes, absolutely. Uh, that is it for emails this week, but we have had a lot of other mail come in. So um, these are all things that have come to me. So I'm, I'm, I'm yeah. very happy. So I'm going to be telling Claire all about these bits and pieces. Um, the first thing I want to let people know about. Uh, this is from our good friend, Tony Skokovic, uh, who has sent things to us in the past. This is another fabulous thing. So um, it says, Dear Graham and the rest of the Sunnies, this is a printed version of an e-published zine I started years ago uh, and as a way to share my photos and ideas. Uh, now it's a zine. Hope you enjoy it. Uh, it says, Great change in expanding the Sunny 16 podcast. Thank you for all the inspiration and the entertainment. There you go. So that's what I'm telling you. Mm -hmm. uh, so um, this zine is called Balopticon 25. Now, my first question <laughs> was, yeah. what is a Balopticon? Fortunately, literally the first thing in this zine, page one, top corner, is a definition of a Balopticon. So a Balopticon, for everyone who wants to know, is a projector that utilises reflected light for projecting the images of opaque objects uh, and I'm going to read you um, the blurb on this because it's always better than me trying to describe exactly what it, Tony's trying to achieve with this like so many other random ideas and curious names I owe this creation to my brother rummaging through warehouses at his work Vladimir discovered an ancient projector under layers of dust admiration for an old device with an arcane name sparked the idea and now we have the zine balopticon is about projecting sharing images and thoughts from my ongoing photographic discovery and experimentation these short weekly editions i hope are there to entertain and offer perhaps a different perspective on familiar looking at businesses along dunder street just as it enters Mississauga, I probably didn't say that right, one can't shake the feeling of looking at the passing world. 21st century urbanisation and densification is slowly marching along the old Highway 5 and is transforming this 20th century suburban scape block by block. Family restaurants and donut shops, car repair shops with ample parking all the way, uh, all in the way of the changing tide. Symbolic, then, to capture this slowly disappearing scene on an expired role of Konica film from the 1980s, when this strip of Dundas West was at its zenith. Hard not to feel a tinge of nostalgia for this world. Perhaps a simpler time living at a slower pace along the sleepy Highway 5. So, as that very well-written introduction says, 
these pictures, they're all pictures taken along um, this street uh, on this lovely expired old uh, Konica film. So as you can imagine, the film is nice and gnarly. Um, you've got some great colour shifts anyway. And, and it's just some beautiful urban I think, uh, urban landscape photography. Um, old buildings, old shops. It really does... Mm. It, it is the kind of place that you look and go, oh yes, this is super 80s and they are just getting eroded and paved over now. Um, it's kind of bleak. And the film stock lends itself to capturing that bleakness. The businesses look run down and faded and then they're captured on this film stock, which is really leaning into that. Um, it's really cool. I, I, it's As I always say with zines like this, I love these windows into a world that I would not see otherwise. And this is doing one of those things that even more so with photography that is so important is it's capturing something that isn't going to be there for long. This zine, in 10 years' time, I suspect that a lot of these businesses will be gone. They'll have been bulldozed for something else or, you know, a, a great shopping centre or something like that will have taken it in and that will have gone. And And it's not even the kind of place that people are normally going to be going and taking pictures of because they're not beautiful buildings. They're not. They're ugly squat businesses. Um but they make for beautiful pictures and the, and it's kind of the whole the whole thing comes together to be kind of beautiful and sad in its own way um mm. so that's really cool so thank you very much for that tony um his his um, introduction it's really painted a vivid um vivid images in, in in my in my head you can really i can you can almost see it and almost smell the, the scene as well yeah. the scenes that he's Mm. Yeah, it's really cool. You can find Tony, uh, you can find his work. He's at junctionrails.ca, www.junctionrails.ca, and he's at junctionrails on Instagram as well. Um, so, yeah, do go and check out Tony's work. He's shared loads with it over the years, and it's always a real treat to see that. So, thank you very much for that, Tony. Um, the second thing I want to talk this is I, I had this parcel, this large parcel, drop through the door, the um, letterbox this week. I was like, what on earth can that be? Um, and this is something uh, really quite special, actually. I want to say a huge thank you to Ian Wallace for sending this. Um, this is this is not a scene. This is a book, and it is called On a Hill Road. Uh, Step Back in Time to Scotland, circa 1902. And what this is, is a fabulous collection of stereo images and writing about the images um, from that time, these beautiful uh, images um, that Ian has collected and put together. Uh, and it's wonderful and it's fascinating. The book actually came with a stereo viewer so you could put over your eyes to watch, um, which is great because uh, anybody who's never seen stereo images before, you, you probably see these are where you have two pictures that are side by side that are just slightly separated so that when you see them both together through a stereo viewer you get this 3d view and this was a really for a time really popular craze um uh i said this these were from the turn of the 20th century it's saying in the book and i, I so i'm guessing that that's the time that this this was at its peak but yeah people were really super into these um and uh, anyway, I'm going to, again, I'm going to find the foreword in this because uh, otherwise I won't do justice to it. Um, 
So, uh, this book is dedicated to the memory of David Duncan, the nephew of Andrew Milne who first showed me these images and who for many years was responsible for their safekeeping. David is seen here with the pictures in his hand and this photograph was taken when I visited him with my father at his home in 1973. My thanks to Jude, Jimmy Duncan, David's son, for the loan of his pictures and the permission to reproduce them in this book. Without Jim's full support, this book would not have been possible. Also thanks to the many family members whose support and comments helped provide anecdotes for the profile of great uncle Andrew Milne and also to late Eric Evans for the details of the Victo stereo camera. Um, the title of this book, sorry Claire, were you going to say something? No, I was, gonna, I was just thinking it's it's been like Christmas coming early for you, Graham. <laughs> it's great. Well, that's the nice thing is that these pictures are all family basically family heirlooms that have been passed down so mm. the title of this book taken from a series of photographs entered in completion by andrew milne which bore this title these include pictures from his trips to burnham mill and glendevon which shows a victorian weekend day trip and captures the relaxed feel of the day i loved the title which has a slightly whimsical feel and i adopted it as it seems to capture something of andrew's character and of his and my travel. For the first time I saw Andrew Milne's photographs as a boy, I was captivated by them. My father had told me stories of the pictures which he must have first seen as a young boy too. During the Christmas holiday in 1973, we visited my great uncle and the collection emerged from an old Japan box in no particular order. Already a keen young photographer from a family with Scottish roots, these pictures made a lasting impression on me. Almost 30 years later, in the spring of 2000, my curiosity and my memory of these cards led me to ask if I could see them again. I don't think I could have imagined where this request would lead me. With an older eye, a developing interest in the history of photography and time to study the images, I could now appreciate the quality of Andrew's work. There was a story to be discovered and I set myself the challenge of revisiting all the locations pictured. In every location he photographed, I learned something about the man or the place he visited and I hope that in reading this book, you also get enjoyment from Andrew's pictures and from some of the things discovered while retracing his steps. Um, and I said, this is Ian Wallace who's put this book together. Um, and, and it's fabulous. It is a fabulous book, as exactly as described as the photos of his great uncle, um, Andrew Milne, uh, who was obviously a very keen photographer himself. Um, and Ian has gone around visiting all of these places where these photographs were taken. And so where you've got uh, these beautiful pictures of all these places, you've got Ian's stories about his trip there, what he discovered about the location or about his great uncle. Um, it's wonderful. I think it's wonderful anybody who's interested in stereo photography, anybody who's interested in old photographs in general um, and the history of Scotland. There's, there's so much stuff in here. It's really lovely. It's beautifully put together. Um, I love that in a lot of places you've got the stereo pictures that Andrew Milne took back in the day and then you've got pictures taken at the same place that Andrew's taken out. It's amazing how many of them life is not all that changed either you can go oh this is still the same place kind of the opposite of what we were just talking about with tony zine where things are changing rapidly and stuff from the 80s is soon going to be gone here you've got things that over a hundred years later uh frequently 
barely changed so um yeah it's really really lovely and um i will put ian's contact uh, details in the thing um but this is well worth checking out if you ha have any interest in this it's, it's beautiful the pictures are lovely um and hopefully we're going to get ian to do something for us ian has kind of volunteered himself uh, i haven't spoken to him yet about this but he's volunteered himself for doing something for us for the sunny 16 presents channel about well hopefully maybe even more than one thing about 3d photography and uh, about the process of putting this book together because it's quite an incredible thing um have you so have you when i say 3d cameras and 3d photography claire does that do you have an image of your mind of what these look like no i don't actually i was just i was just as you were reading all that out that's exactly what i was trying to do i was trying to like imagine it yeah you might have seen the cameras on because the cameras are being utterly distinct because they have two lenses side by side on the front of them so if you might have seen them in the museum or an old camera shop or yeah, somewhere i uh, have yeah i actually funny enough i've see, i think i've seen some in um a museum in whitby of all places yeah they're 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 really funny the thing that always I think the thing that really caught me out when I learned this was just how much of a thing they were for a while, just how popular these stereo mm. cameras were. I think they became almost the go-to traveling you know, holiday camera, the point-and-shoot camera of the day that stereo cameras were the thing to have. You know, those in the box brownies as well. But yeah. Um, yeah, really awesome. The only problem I have is that being terribly short-sighted, it's quite hard for me to view these things, even with the viewer. But it, I did manage to kind of get it to work for me. But yeah, being short-sighted stinks. I need to get contact lenses <laughs> sorted again. I've been lazy with that. Um, but yes, thank you so much for that, Ian. It's really a, a really brilliant yeah. book. Um, and even as somebody who has no familial relation with anything that's going on, um, it's still fascinating. And mm. I, I, the the pictures are interesting, but it's the the fact that Ian went around and visited all these places and the anecdotes that go with them that really bring it yeah, all definitely. to life. It's a, it's a wonderful link. Um, and the last thing uh, that we I got through the post this week um, is a zine from our very own John Whitmore, uh, who was too lazy to be here tonight, couldn't be bothered. Uh, I think he's a well oh. somewhere or doing something, whatever. It just couldn't be bothered. Um, uh, but this is his first zine uh, <laughs> called Choosing and Losing, Tear yeah, It like All Down. <laughs> Yeah, I like that title, Teasing and Losing. <laughs> it's great. Uh, I, I, I love this scene. This is so. John's talked about the fact that he's kind of going in a different direction with his, with what he wants to do with terms of his business and how he's running things. And he's obviously started up his um, patronage thing on his website. And this is part of this. So I think you can buy this scene. But also, if you just support John as a patron, I think you can basically you get the zine and I think it works out as a cheap way to get it. And, uh, you know, and that's kind of the way he wants to be supported. Um, and it's great. And this this zine is um, it's it reflects a lot of how John's feeling about things. at the moment. It's it's all black and white. It's pretty bleak. Um, it's a pretty it's all shots taken around Coventry and um, yeah, it is, it's urban. It's not necessarily just urban decay, but it's, um, ah, if John could have been bothered to be here, he could have really talked about this scene much better. <laughs> it's really cool though. It's, um, it, it's edgy. And I think it, it's that the pictures 
along with the words that John's included in here. He's done some bits of writing in here, not a lot, but just bits, and the way that it's put together. I think it's he's trying to get a message across, and I think the message he's trying to get across is that he's maybe not thrilled about the way things are at the moment with everything. I mean, Coventry's going through a lot of change, a lot of um, physical change, and... Uh, um, yeah, a lot of out with the old, in with the new, and, and all the good and the bad that comes with that. Um, anyway, uh, well worth checking out. And we'll you can talk to John more about it when he's next on there. But do go to um, John Whitmore Photography. Whatever that is. Triple X, whatever um, <laughs> the correct word is. I'll find it and put it in the show notes. Unless I don't. Um, but it's really good. And uh, it, it feels. It feels very zeny in the kind of just the kind of that edgy, almost punky kind of a way. Um, yeah, my copy hasn't arrived, but um, it's got a real feel about it. I, I like the I like his cover, mm. um, and I like the um, the font. He's you know the, the choosing and losing font. It, it has a it has a particular feel. Um, I don't know. It kind of reminds me of the front cover for some reason, Gray. I don't know why I'm thinking this because. Um, I'm thinking of kind of like like brutalism and mm, yes. university buildings in sort of I don't know in the seventies or something. I don't know why, but um, but I like his I, I do like his cover and his, um So it's all Cov- it's all Coventry, is it? Yeah. Yeah, I believe so. It is. I mean, as somebody who gets the the pleasure of getting to chat to John fairly regularly and you know listen to some of his rants fairly regularly in some <laughs> in a good way, uh, there's not because of the writing, but this scene feels a bit like a visual rant in a way a non-specific visual rant you know it's you and i think that that's great when you can kind of and maybe it's helped by again knowing getting to talk to john but when you can feel kind of the emotions that are driving the image choices through this and they're very well paired um again there's nothing wrong but talk to john about when we have him on here but the way he sequenced the images, they really work well together. There's a lot of thought gone into this. And, um, yeah, it's really cool. So please do go and check that out. So, yeah, it was a real bumper week of post for me. Uh, thank you very it's much. Yeah. It's, uh, Christmas. it's definitely Christmas for you, Graham. It is. Well, it's probably as close <laughs> as we're going to get to Christmas this year. So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, the other thing before we do wrap things up, I just want to draw people's attention to, is that it is the closing week now of Holger Week. I think you have until this Saturday coming. Um, this will hopefully be going out on Thursday. Or, um, it will go out on Thursday. I'll make sure it does. So you have until Saturday to submit images for Holger Week this year. So please do. Um, it's always a really fun time. And we are going to be judging one of the categories this year on Holger Week. So mm-hmm. um Yes, please. If you've taken pictures, if you took part in Holger Week, get those images developed, get them sent in. You have until this Saturday. Oh, I feel a like I said an awful lot. Claire, is there anything else going on that I've not thought about? Um, no, I don't think. I think we've covered everything. Um, everything, Graham. There's been quite a lot, hasn't there? But I mean, I there's been a lot. Through. There's been a lot of a lot of books and zines, and yeah, a lot of people getting in their dark rooms, or um, yeah, yeah. It's getting to that time of year, isn't it? Where I think um, whether it's printing or zines or or what have you, I think um, as the opportunities for photography start to dwindle because of light and weather, um, mm. both of which have been 
either terrible or in short supply, um, you do start thinking about, well, what can you do with the work that you've already created? And like I said earlier, I'm starting to think more about getting into the darkroom. I've also started, and uh, as is normally the case, this may never get any further than start, but I have also started thinking, maybe I will have a go at making a zine. We talked about doing it yeah uh, the beginning yeah. of was it this year or it might have been the beginning of last year i don't know um <laughs> and it kind of fell apart actually it was the beginning of this year and it fell apart for reasons that i won't go into because i can't but it, it was just things came up in all of our lives that messed that up but mm-hmm. you know i've got a couple of bodies of work and i've kind of got an idea for something else i'm like maybe now's the time to try and pursue that but um so if you're finding that you don't have time to get out and actually take more pictures now is a great time to just go through your lightroom catalog go through your negatives and go yeah. what can i do with these yeah could it be a zine could it be an e-published zine like um tony's originally was um could you just make some beautiful book. prints or a book yeah or a, a fabulous book exactly um you know it's, it's a good time to be looking into that kind of stuff what uh, it gets harder for you in the kind of photography that you're doing at this time of year right claire mm. Yeah, I mean, it, it it does and it doesn't. I mean, it, well, it does. Um, <laughs> it does and it doesn't, but mostly it, it does. It doesn't, does. it doesn't. Sorry, yeah. Um, for me, um, as long as it's as long as it's bright, um, and you know, as long as the the the, the sky looks okay, reasonable, and it looks sunny, I, I will go out and shoot. So I have been in situations where I've actually been freezing. But but um, you might be looking at an image and think I'm in you know in in, in the hot sun, but I'm actually freezing cold in in in, in a Welsh winter. Um, but it doesn't look like that. But but you're right. I think the obviously um, opportunities diminish outside. But for me, it's my ongoing thing of switching to indoors and thinking. Um, okay, what what can I do indoors? Um, sourcing locations, sometimes you know, in my own home or, or elsewhere, and then it's my ongoing um, development with lighting, <laughs> indoor yeah. light, you know, indoor lighting. That's that's um, that's just like ongoing for me. Um, yeah. uh, so so th- th- those are my kind of winter, autumn, winter challenges. Um, f- without without a doubt. Yeah. Um, <laughs> have you? Uh, obviously you've shared your work in various places you've been in exhibitions and parts of various different bits and pieces have you yeah. ever have you ever published any of your work have you you've not ever made a zine have you Claire that, I, that I'm aware of or anything like that no I've never made a zine or, or a book I mean I'd love to do I'd love to do either and I'd love to do um I'd love to do a book um and it's about not not really not really knowing uh, where to, where to begin on one hand, um, but then I've now had so much. Ins- you know, I get inspired when I hear other people have have, um, have 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 done their books. You know, we've got Ian, Ian's um, on a hill road. Um, on, on one show, we've, we've got Brian and his book, and then on another show, Carmen and her book. Um, it makes me think. Oh yeah, you know, it's it's good to maybe take things into your own hands and create create a book um i imagine it would be um a, not a, a lengthy process wouldn't it? you'd have to be very quite diligent um you know, you'd have I, to, you, you'd have to i mean it would be part of the i suppose it's coming up with what you're going to title it and if you're making a, a book say um what like you say graham going through your going through your work and you know being your own editor isn't it about what you know what mm. you're going to 
include and what what your narrative is and that side of things and the the layout. But I think that that'd be quite enjoyable as well. I think the but, nice thing is that having spoken to so many people who have made zines and photo books and what have you mm -hmm. on the podcast over the last few years is that it can be whatever you want it to be and it can be as involved as you want it to be you know we've spoken to people um who have gone okay i'm gonna go out today i'm going to shoot pictures i'm going to make a zine from those pictures and i'm gonna have that zine ready to go by the end of this week um wow. and you know <laughs> so you can absolutely do it like that or you know the flip side of that is as you said just spending weeks months going through your photos editing putting together it, it can so it's uh it's i think as with everything it's just kind of doing it it's just... yeah i think i was gonna say i think what you'd, you'd you'd probably benefit wouldn't you if you're going to do things i find unless i write things down and give yourself give yourself a deadline mm. so by this week i want to have selected all my work by that week i want to have decided on the fonts i'm gonna by this week i want to do that i find unless i do that it doesn't happen yeah <laughs> um and, and and it's and i think it's not and and you know it's like setting those goals isn't it and then, and then ticking them off to to um as you as you go along but so that's going to be your kind of winter winter um Winter, winter wonder is going to say. <laughs> winter um, wonder, mine's going to be my winter, winter wonder. Maybe, yeah. maybe. I'm not going to commit to anything because whenever I commit to anything, I then yeah. absolutely fail and, to achieve. And you're going to get out shooting, Graham. You are. Yeah, I, yes, you're absolutely right, Claire. I did, that is something I do need to. I, I was developing some film this weekend, just gone, and it was really nice to just be in the dark shed um, oh, yeah. developing some sheets. But it was when I realized, oh, I'm developing some sheets of film that I shot in August. And with small exception that was about the last time i went out specifically to take pictures i was like oh that's no that's no good i'm and, and as i was saying to you before we recorded the reason i haven't been out between them is the classic combination of an absence of time and an utter absence of desire to go anywhere and take pictures because of diminished opportunities let's say um <laughs> but uh no i do really want to get out and i do have an idea for a thing I had right at the beginning of the year that I half-heartedly started with. Well, I, I bet I kind of did a very brief test of concept and went, ah, this might work, um, mm. that I might put more time into and maybe try and see that through. Let's yeah. watch this space. Watch this space. Yeah. I think once you, if you, once you get at, once you actually get out, if you set yourself a goal, Graham, and say, right, on this date, or obviously, you know, weather permitting or whatever, um, I'm, I am going to go out with my with my camera. You'll probably that will probably get your motivation back a bit, back again. Mm, yeah, I think you're absolutely right. Claire. Yeah. I think you are absolutely so. right. Um, yeah, it's it is. There's not a lack of desire. It's just been a lack of. Whenever mm. I thought, oh, I could go and take some pictures, and I think, where am I going to go? What am I going to do? It's piddling down with rain, or it's <laughs> you know it's celery. Uh, um, but no, I'm yeah, I'm quite excited about that. Well, uh, we will leave you guys now. Um, as we've mentioned throughout the show, uh, our lovely co-host who couldn't be with us this week, uh, John Whitmore, do go and check his stuff out, uh, yeah. dot whatever it is. Um, and, of course, go and check out Rachel's work and the fantastic selection of videos that were mentioned earlier um, that she did for Ilford, which are all up now. Um, go and check those out. And mm -hmm. hopefully those guys will be back with us again very, very soon. Um, Claire, mm -hmm. people can find you. Instagram is the best place, right? 
Um, yes, I'm on Instagram. I'm basically I'm Claire Marie Bailey everywhere. So on Instagram, <laughs> on Twitter. I'm... Well, I'm going to tell you a story actually, quick, quickly, and this is this is absolutely true. Um, about eight years ago, I bought two um, cameras from eBay from a man in San Francisco. Okay, they they came all the way from from San Francisco to North Wales uh, to the depot. But then they never ever arrived at my house. And um, to long story short, it was um, the courier. Um, they said they delivered it, but then it, I don't know if they did. It certainly didn't come to my house. And um, anyway, the bottom line is I, ne I never, I never got those cameras. And there was a bit of an investigation into it, and the police were involved. Now this is the funny bit: when the policeman came to my house. He said to me, um, oh, it's it's you. I actually, because it's, a, I mean, I did actually know who this person was because it's a small, you know, it's a small place. But he thought, he said, oh, I didn't think it was going to be you because he said, there's another Claire Marie Bailey that lives around, apparently, that did at that point, live uh, lived around the corner from me and she also did photography oh. and i was like are you are you sure <laughs> yeah and i thought so there was like two of us in my small village i've never i've never heard of her i've never met her i don't know if this person even even still lives here but honestly that was a strange strange thing that the policeman told me yeah i mean <laughs> <laughs> do you reckon she got your cameras because it sounds pretty likely that she got I, your cameras oh yeah i never actually i never thought no i don't know it was i don't want to go too much into it in case i say things i i could get i shouldn't say or something but no i i i i don't think they ever i, I think they went vanishing in in delivery i think um, she, she but, definitely but yeah, got your cameras claire it's basically it's evil yeah, claire it, marie bailey uh yeah. you've got a double and out it there was, and, it, and it was an sx70 camera and it was one of those a 680 slr and i was so excited and i just lost that money you know and you know i didn't have that really that money to lose but yeah but i thought that that was an interesting twist okay well there you go <laughs> listeners be wary not all claire marie bailey's are the same and there is an evil Claire Marie Bailey out there somewhere <laughs> who will steal your cameras. So be afraid. Yeah. Um, always make sure um, you're yes, getting the good one. But, but I am just Claire Marie Bailey everywhere. <laughs> just Claire Marie Bailey, the good one everywhere. <laughs> well, yeah. we will play you out, listeners, with uh, the wonderful remortgaging the nest of heads because it's always <laughs> lovely to play that one out. Um, things we're gonna, well, this has been a very much a back of so we're going to play out with remortgaging the nest of heads by the wonderful band Schnauzer. Still waiting to hear what that new music is done can uh, come on you promised us new music where is this new music um uh, from schnauzer not for the show necessarily but just in general um thank you so much everybody for writing in we hugely appreciate it we love hearing from you guys and we love getting to talk to you guys we will be back again very soon we will have claire's show going out on sunny 16 presents this week we've also got more stuff coming up soon i had uh, i was helping um Christian Strauss and um, Jonathan uh, Becker with a Caffinol program for Sony 16 Presents. That's going to also. Um, Alex Morrison has put something together uh, on 
a uh, review. I don't know if review's quite the word, but um, he's been testing out an ultra-large format film developing thing from Stearman. So that's them coming up soon. So there's going to be loads of cool stuff coming up soon. Uh, and um, yeah, it's good. It's all good. Um, it's making me very happy that we're getting stuff to put out. So thank you very much to everybody who is getting involved and coming up with ideas and getting in touch about that. It's hugely appreciated. Um, right then, guys. Uh, thank you very much for listening and goodbye. Goodbye.